Curse. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, established 2016, the first podcast to feature interviews about Metallica. I am your host, Ryan J. Downey, and I wanted to hit you with a special little bonus episode in recognition of the 36th anniversary of Master of Puppets. Yes, I am recording this on March 3rd, 2022. Wow. And this record came out 36 years ago. It was not the first Metallica that I heard, I don't believe, but it was the current album, as longtime listeners of the podcast will recall. When I discovered Metallica, the Garage Days EP was the newest release. And so obviously I went backwards to Master of Puppets, and my whole metal journey continued. My metal journey actually began with another record that came out in 1986, Peace Sells But Who's Buying by the Mighty Megadeth. I say my metal journey, you know, I had seen Motorhead on the great television program from England called The Young Ones, where they performed in the living room with the characters. That's a whole other story for another time. It's something I've written about and spoken about extensively. But my journey into thrash metal began with Peace Cells. My buddy Dave Rogers gave me the cassette uh, simply to get rid of it. He was into hair metal, thought it was maybe a hair metal record, and bought it by mistake. And funnily enough, I would get into hardcore a couple of years later, much the same way when my buddy Alex Givens, rest in peace, who was like a Liberty Spike leather jacket punk rocker, bought the Revelation Records New York Hardcore the way it is compilation, thinking that it would be kind of, you know, your typical punk music, and gave it to me just to get rid of it. And my journey into hardcore began. Master of Puppets beat Peace Cells by a few months. Peace Cells came out September 19th, 1986. Puppets was March 3rd, 1986. I wrote something for Loudwire.com a few days ago by request of Loudwire.com, which I appreciate. 10 Reasons Why Metallica's Master of Puppets is so damn good. I will link to that in the show notes, and I wanted to go over that a bit here with y'all. As we celebrate the release of Master of Puppets, I'll probably add some stuff as I'm speaking that maybe isn't in the piece, give you the gist of the piece, and we'll call that a little bonus episode. So strap in, let's talk some Master of Puppets. Journey back to 1986. The Chernobyl nuclear disaster sent radiation across Europe. The first PC virus spread. Top Gun hit movie theaters. And Metallica made a masterpiece. 1986 blessed the world with a mind-blowing number of landmark metal albums. Now, just to give you some indication, if you Google 
metal, heavy metal 1986 albums, you're going to see Slayer, Rain and Blood, Megadeth, Peace Sells But Who's Buying, Iron Maiden, Somewhere in Time, King Diamond, Fatal Portrait, Metal Church, The Dark, Creator, Pleasure to Kill, Motorhead, Orgasmatron, Dark Angel, Darkness Descends, a record from Fate's Warning, a record from Destruction, a Rage for Order from Queensryche, the debut from Flotsam and Jetsam, Doomsday for the Deceiver, Sepultura's first album, Morbid Visions, the first album from Candlemass, one of my favorite bands of all time, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus, Ozzy's The Ultimate Sin, which of course Ozzy was touring when he took Metallica on tour in 1986. If you're into hair metal, you also got Cinderella Night Songs, Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet, Europe's The Final Countdown, Poison's debut, Look What the Cat Dragged In, little bit of a weird year for classic metal bands. Judas Priest put out Turbo that year, Black Sabbath 7th Star record. We also got the first album from Van Hagar and the first proper full-length solo release from David Lee Roth. Van Halen 5150, a record I love. David Lee Roth's Eat Em and Smile. There's also Striper, <laughs> To Hell with the Devil. Alice Cooper dropped Constrictor. The Mighty Bad Brains put out Eye Against Eye. Sirith Ungle put out a cool album. Crimson Glory. Rats Dancing Undercover. Possessed Beyond the Gates. The second album from Voivod. Roar with those umlauts in there. Nuclear Assaults. Game Over. Except Russian Roulette. This is all 1986. Sodom Obsessed by Cruelty. St. Vitus Born Too Late. The Soundtrack by Fastway featuring Motorhead's Fast Eddie Clark and the future singer of Flogging Molly. To the film Trick or Treat, one of my favorite horror flicks of all time. And the Cro-Mags, Age of Quarrel, speaking of hardcore, possibly the hardcore record. Uh, Bad Brains, Cro-Mags, probably made the best hardcore records of all time. Age of Quarrel, the band never topped it. After that, the lineup changed a million times. They're almost more well-known for their endless feuds than their music. But Age of Quarrel remains an undisputed classic. See, I told you I was going to spin off of this written piece. The epic scale, impact, and enduring legacy of Master of Puppets reign supreme. Master of Puppets, Battery, Welcome Home Sanitarium, Damage Incorporated. There isn't a single song in the album's 54 minutes and 47 seconds runtime that isn't welcomed with a roar by hard rock and metal audiences around the world. Released March 3rd, 1986, Master Puppets grew without the benefit of an official single or music video. That's right, no radio, no MTV, which were the big ways that your band would break back in the day. Tape trading and fanzines propelled Metallica's 1982 demo, No Life Till Leather, which of course featured original bassist Ron McGovney and original lead guitarist Dave Mustaine. Kill Em All, their scrappy indie label debut on Megaforce, Johnny Z, rest in peace, Cemented the lineup of James Hetfield, vocals, guitar, Lars Ulrich, drums, Kirk Hammett, lead guitar, and the mighty Cliff Burton on bass. Now, Elektra Records signed the band during the album cycle for 1984's monstrous ride, The Lightning, but Master of Puppets was the first proper major label release from start to finish. The Damage Incorporated tour behind the album included those several months supporting Ozzy Osbourne, which pushed Metallica further into the stratosphere. Now, also on this day... The members of Sam Hain, one of my favorite bands of all time, featuring the great Erie Vaughn and, of course, Glenn Danzig, were in my home state of Indiana, in my home city of Indianapolis, as was Metallica. Metallica was there uh, opening for Ozzy. I was not there. I was young and not into these bands yet. Almost. It was about a year away. And Sam Hain was passing through. They played some shows in Indiana, in the Midwest around that time. They didn't play together, but they were friends. And there are some 
amazing photos of Sam Hain stopping by to hang out with Metallica backstage, uh, back behind the venue somewhere. If you follow my account this day in Danzig, where I post uh, things of Danzig history, uh, close to 30,000 Instagram followers. It's a very fun passion project, labor of love. If you follow that, you've seen these pictures before. You'll see these pictures today if you're listening today, March 3rd. Great picture of Papa Het hanging with the four guys from Sam Hain in my hometown of Indianapolis. Now, of course, as we all know, tragically, Cliff Burton died in a tour bus accident near Stockholm, Sweden, while touring behind this record. Jason Newstead, whose band Flotsam and Jetsam released their debut the same year, took up the bass position, finishing the Master of Puppets tour cycle, and remaining with Metallica till 2001. Master Puppets remains Kirk's favorite Metallica record. Master Puppets is my favorite album, he told Revolver back in 2017. Everyone was kind of settled into their roles. Everyone was playing well. We knew what we were striving for. We knew what we could do. We knew each other's playing well. We knew our strengths. And it just kind of all culminated on this album. Of course, they went on to even bigger success with 1988's Injustice for All and their first official clip for MTV, One, and the gargantuan self-titled 1991 record, a.k.a. The Black Album, which became the biggest-selling record of the Nielsen SoundScan era. That is when record sales started to be counted by Nielsen in what we called SoundScan. These days it's called Music Connect or something like that. I should know that. Uh, it's changed over the years, but... You know, records that came out prior to that were bigger than the Black Album, of course, stuff from the Beatles or the Stones or ACDC. But starting with the records that started getting counted in 1991, there has not been a bigger record since then than the Black Album, which continues to sell a bunch these days. But the legacy of Master of Puppets continues, with many fans pointing to it as the best of the band's 10 studio albums. 30 years after the record's release, the U.S. Library of Congress chose Master of Puppets for preservation in the National Recording Registry, where it joined works deemed, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. What do you know? Government got something right. So here are those 10 reasons of many why Metallica's Master of Puppets is so damn good. Number one, Master of Puppets is all killer, no filler. Sum 41 stole the show on the 2003 MTV Icon Metallica program with a three-song medley that included Master of Puppets. I've had both Derek and Dave from Sum 41 on Speaking to Story before, talking about their love of Metallica, talking about that show, and a whole bunch else. If you dig into the archives, you can find those episodes. Now, while that Canadian pop-punk band called their debut album All Killer No Filler a couple of years before that MTV Icon performance... Master Puppets is an album genuinely worthy of that distinction. Now, Ride the Lightning is a near-perfect album, but there's a reason why Escape didn't make its first live appearance until the band played their sophomore set in full for the first time in 2012. Lars is on record with his disdain for Eye of the Beholder from Injustice for All. But there isn't a single track on Master of Puppets with a flaw to be found. It's truly a perfect metal album. Number two, it boasts Metallica's definitive song. Inner Sandman and Nothing Else Matters get all of the YouTube and streaming love, but those hits reach beyond Metallica diehards to the greater public. That's all well and good, of course, but Master of Puppets is the song historians should bury in a time capsule when launch into space is the definitive single-track example of what Metallica is all about. Credited to James, Lars, Cliff, and Kirk with a running time of nearly nine minutes, Master of Puppets shreds with downpicking, epic tempo changes, mighty dexterity, and majestic melody. 
Number three, it showcased the right hand of Hetfield. Spider-finger guitar players around the world dazzle with the fiery frenetic fretwork favored by virtuosos. But on Speaking Destroy right here, my long-running Metallica theme podcast, the right hand of Hetfield is a regular topic of conversation and soon to be a merch item. Guitar, not his hand, but a shirt. Guitar players from Fear Factory, Bad Wolves, Warbringer, Breaking Benjamin, Alterbridge, Machine Head, and Sum 41 are among the many to marvel on this very show at the precision, rhythm, playing, and downpicking of Mr. Hetfield, showcased in a jaw-dropping form on Master of Puppets. Kirk Hammett's solos are, of course, incredible too, from Damage Incorporated to Disposable Heroes, and when the duo pairs up for the harmonies in the title track, it is Metal Bliss. Number four, it gave us our first James Hetfield solo. His right hand does the heavy lifting, pun intended, with the rhythm guitars, but this album proved he could solo as well. That's James playing the melodic lead over the slow central passage in the title track, just before Kirk's unmistakable, magnificent song-within-a-song finish. He's recorded a handful of solos since, my favorite being in the Outlaw Torn, my favorite song of the Load Reload era from 1996's Load. Number five. Is this number five? I think it's number five. One, two, three, four, five. It offered a masterclass in sequencing. Years before shuffling and playlisting threatened to diminish the importance of sequencing, Master of Puppets perfected a template loosely begun on Ride the Lightning and continued through Unjustice for All. All three albums start with a ripping opener, Fight Fire with Fire, Battery, Blackened, charged directly into the title track, and on song four, cruise into heavy ballad territory, Fade to Black, Welcome Home Sanitarium, one. Master of Puppets and its follow-up both close with a one-two punch of instrumental, Orion, To Live Is To Die, and ripping closer, Damage Inc., Dyer's Eve, bookending the albums with ferocity and power. Many fans celebrated Death Magnetic as a return to the glory of the first three albums, following the bluesy hard rock adventurousness of Load and Reload and the contentious pummel of San Anger. But it's worth noting that the track listing tricks returned as well. Death Magnetic opens and closes with Rippers, That Was Just Your Life, My Apocalypse, puts a heavy ballad as track four, The Day That Never Comes, and features an instrumental, Suicide and Redemption, second to last. Number six, it indulged in immersive storytelling. Metallica's famously guarded frontman may not have opened up about his difficult childhood and struggles with alcoholism till later years, but his lyrics regularly regaled with relatable tales of trauma. When themes of the occult, fantasy, partying, and sex dominated hard rock and metal, Metallica gave us street-tough celebrations of the scene early on, then really blew our minds with references to Ernest Hemingway and the Old Testament. Master of Puppets provided immersive storytelling unrivaled by their peers. Master of Puppets of the Song approached addiction from the point of view of the substance itself. Disposable heroes lamented the plight of soldiers sent to die. Welcome Home Sanitarium took a visceral look at the dangers of mental illness. Battery and Damage Incorporated were the type of anthems that scared parents who read the lyrics, but truthfully offered positive outlets for the angst, aggression, and alienation felt by many teens like myself. Number seven, it celebrated H.P. Lovecraft. And again, longtime listeners of the show will know, and if you're just discovering the show, please feel free to go back. But the very first ever bonus mini-episode was about H.P. Lovecraft, where I took a deep dive into his biography. Metallica isn't the only band to draw inspiration from the work of H.P. Lovecraft, but I believe they are indeed the biggest. 
a master of dark fantasy and sci-fi filled horror, didn't experience much success before his death in 1937, but sales of his books soared since, driven at least in some part by Metallica fans. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mrs. Whoa. You know what? I didn't have anything I needed to start over in here. I'm going to start that over. And I'm going to leave that in. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos stories enthralled Cliff Burton in particular. The Call of Cthulhu didn't contain any lyrics and misspelled the cosmic entity's name, but the thing that should not be went full Lovecraft, with at least a dozen references to the writer's themes. Hetfield drew from Lovecraft again on Death Magnetic and 2016's Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Number 8. It memorializes Cliff Burton. Metallica will be the first to say the spirit of Cliff Burton guides them today. His effortless cool, diverse taste in everything from Simon and Garfunkel to Bach and command of the bass guitar continue to inspire, decades after his tragic loss of life at the young age of 24. His death robbed the world of future recordings, performances, and interviews, but Master of Puppets stands as an incredible tribute to what Cliff believed in, from his unwavering commitment to the truth, his indulgence in melody and resistance of creative boundaries to the sheer personality of his playing. Look no further than Orion to hear Cliff emanating from the speakers. For me, Orion was Cliff Burton's swan song, Kirk told Rolling Stone in 2018. It was a great piece of music, and he'd written the whole middle section. It kind of gave us a view into what direction he was heading. The musical notes of that middle are tattooed on James Hetfield's left arm. Number nine, it set setlist staples in stone. Can you tell I love alliteration? There are now 10 studio albums and dozens of cover songs in their repertoire, but since its debut on New Year's Eve in 1985, Metallica performed the song Master of Puppets nearly 1,700 times and counting. That's according to Metallica.com. And finally, number 10. In my 10 reasons why Metallica's Master of Puppets is so damn good. It inspired so many great bands, which is a huge part of what this podcast is all about celebrating. The Metallica Blacklist contained over 50 interpretations of Black Album songs from diverse artists. Miley Cyrus, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But still, the number of covers for Metallica's third album is no less impressive, including Machine Head doing Battery, Mastodon doing Orion, Trivium doing Master of Puppets, and Primus also doing Master of Puppets. Dream Theater, as I talked about with Mike Portnoy when, he's, when he was on the show, surprised European audiences with the performance of the album in full, celebrated last year in 2021 with the Master Puppets Live in Barcelona 2002 re-release. Corey Taylor recently revealed Disposable Heroes as his favorite Metallica song ever, as the Slipknot frontman remembered listening to the Master Puppets cassette after copying it from a chain record store. I walked by the tape at the local Sam Goody, he said during a Q&A at the Mad Monster Party Convention in 2022. I had my Walkman with me and I listened to it all the way back home. Side one is a fucking clinic. Such a clinic. Classic. So rad. I got to talk with Corey about Metallica for about an hour for NotFest.com. That is a video interview. You can find that on the NotFest YouTube channel. I may post that at some point as an episode of Speaking Destroy, if that's okay with my friends at the NotFest organization. But in the meantime, you can go watch the whole video interview over there. You can also read this 10 Reasons Why Metallica's Master of Puppets is So Damn Good piece at Loudwire.com, as well as a bunch of other Master of Puppets related coverage. Loudwire loves covering Metallica, which is one of the reasons why I love Loudwire. And they've been very supportive of the podcast. You can find a bunch of companion pieces to these episodes, which frankly I should get around to doing more often because it's killer to have that opportunity. 
So that's it for this bonus episode. I mean, this is a bonus, bonus. It's like the length of Rain and Blood. Not even the length of Rain and Blood. By the time I put the uh, intro song on here, I think we're talking maybe 21 minutes. So that's going to do it for me. You guys have been great. I've been Ryan J. Downey. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Downey, on Instagram at Ryan J. Downey underscore. You can find Speaking Destroy everywhere that you would look. There's a YouTube channel. There's an Instagram page with a bunch of cool photos. Twitter, Facebook, all the rest. Please subscribe and please, please, please write a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave a five-star rating. Write a nice review. I swear those really help with visibility of Speaking Destroy. I will be back with more episodes and more interviews. There's plenty on the way. I promise to start getting these out more regularly. And like I said, you guys have been great. And I've been Ryan J. Downey.